0: Couple things before I start, just in case you don't know, since there's lots of new faces here recently, or maybe the last year or so—I don't know. My name's Stephen. I'm one of the pastors here at the church, and uh, I've been. My wife and I started coming here to Coastline in 2007, and I've been on staff since 2008. Uh, Been involved in several different ministries. Um, One of the things that I'm involved in is a ministry called Breakthrough, and Pastor Chris wanted me to remind anyone and everyone who might be looking for a breakthrough in their life. And uh, I just want to encourage you, you know, people, I get these comments from people, they see the our little first grade booklet I made out there, which is being redesigned by someone that has skill sometime this year when they get time for it. But um, I just want you to know, like, yeah, it says recovery ministry on there. We're all in recovery. Every single one of us is in recovery from sin, right? Jesus set us free. It's paid for. It's done, right? And sometimes, though, there's, there's, there's those of us who just need a smaller setting in order to talk. And that's what Breakthrough is. It's a small setting. We meet once a week at 6 o'clock at the Annex, our building in Warrington. And we, we go through God's Word together. We talk. We share what's going on in our lives. And we pray for each other. We worship God. It's just like a church service, but a small little church service. And there's nothing weird about it. You know, you might look at the cover and think, oh, I don't want anyone to know that I've got sin in my life or I struggle or whatever. Can I just let you know, raise your hand if you don't have sin in your life. Gotcha. Okay, so that means it's open to anyone and everyone, regardless if it's drugs or pornography or pain or sorrow, brokenness, anxiety, whatever it may be. We are there to help you on your journey to follow Christ and watch him set you free from those things. He alone is able to do it. Amen? So I just want to encourage you. If, you. if that's you or you know somebody, man, there's some little flyers out there in the foyer. Invite them or come yourself. If they won't come without you, hey, Libby. Um, sorry. One <laughs> of my old little junior high girls who's now a married woman. Just weird. Um, anyway, if they're afraid to come, come with them. I know that um, there's been a sister here that's done that for her friend. Other people have done that for their friends. Be the, be the hands and feet of Jesus and help them get there. And stay as long as they need you to stay there. And who knows, maybe you'll find the stuff that you actually need to be there too. There's nothing weird about it. It's not you know us being there that's gonna change anything, but we know the one who changes things, amen? And he wants to change you and he wants to change me. So we do life together in a small setting, so I encourage you, come on out if you want to. Six o'clock, Tuesdays, and uh, we'll get you set up Second Peter chapter 3 is where we're going to be. So if you want to turn there, that'd be great. And I'm going to give you a simple outline. I'm an outliner, so I like to outline. Helps me stay on track. If you're taking notes, the title of the message is Don't Worry, He's Coming. Verses uh, 1 through 2, we're going to talk about remembering the truth. Verses 3 through 7, we're going to talk about knowing God's word. Verses 8 through 9... He's always on time. Verse 11 through 15a, prepare to meet him. Verse 15b through the last verse in 18, don't be fooled, armor up. I'll run through this one more time for you. Title of the message is Don't Worry, He's Coming. Verses 1 through 2, Remember the Truth. Verses 3 through 7, Know God's word. Verse eight through nine, he's always on time. Verse 10, the day will come. Verse 11, verses 11 through 15a, prepare to meet him. And finally, verses 15b through 18, don't be fooled, armor up. Let's pray one more time. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for the privilege. You know, I think of that... uh, Jesus Revolution movie, how every time they'd open your word together, they would hold up their Bibles and say, this is God's word, this is truth, the truth, let's open it together. I pray we'd open it together as a family this morning, God, and again, please, Lord, do more than we could ever ask or think, Um, bless us, Lord, blow us away by your grace and your mercy, reveal to us, remind us of the things Peter wants to remind us of, stir us up, Lord, Um, We want to know you, we want to walk with you, we want to love on you, Lord. So please help us to do that, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Just a little recap of chapters 1 and 2, just to keep us on track. Chapter 1 reminded us that no prophecy of Scripture was one of one's own private interpretation or of human will. Chapter 2 reminded us to beware of false teachers among us, even in God's church undercover. And chapter three is going to remind us of his creation, or I'm sorry, of his certain coming again and how to live until then and our future, a glorious future, amen? All right, verses one through two. This is now, beloved, the second letter I'm writing to you in which I am stirring up your sincere mind by way of reminder that you should remember the words spoken beforehand by the holy prophets and the commandment of the Lord and Savior spoken by your apostles. Now, first off, Peter addresses his audience as beloved loved ones or as dear friends. He says, I want to remind you. I want to stir you up, your sincere mind, your pure minds. He wants to stir us up just as he did in chapter 1 of this letter. And I love the way reminder, reminder, reminder. Paul says in one of his letters that um, for me to remind you of things that you already know, it's not a waste. It's actually a safeguard for your heart. To be reminded of what you know and what you know keeps you going, strengthens you, and keeps building on that foundation, which is Jesus Christ. Amen. The word stir up, in case you were wondering, is a, a, the Greek word for that, the meaning of that Greek word, I won't try to pronounce it. It means to arouse, to stir up, and to wake up. I like the way it talks like that. Arousing, stirring, wake up, wake up. Remember what God is trying to tell us this morning. I encourage you, I exhort you, I beseech you to wake up. You only have to stay awake for like 40 more minutes. You'll be all right. (laughs) The word remember, uh, the definition of that in the Greek. It means, to re, it means remember, and it's used over 250 times in Scripture. If God says something once, should we remember it? Yes, of course. Is it important? Yes, of course. Twice, three times, ten times, a hundred times, two hundred times, 250 times. Remember, remember, remember. And I can tell you, once upon a time when I was in prison, my cellmate had his eyes blown out so he couldn't read. And so uh, I was reading the Old Testament, brand new believer, we're both believers, just reading through the Bible at night, and I'm reading through the stories of Israel, their history, and I see these guys, God blesses them, they screw up, they turn their back on him, he blesses them, they screw up, they turn their back on him, over and over and over and over and over. I'm like, these people are the stupidest people ever. (laughs) Now that I know the truth, I would never do that, (laughs) only to find that I am SOS, stuck on stupid. There's no cure for stupid, in case you didn't know. The children of Israel forgot who their God was. He forgot what they'd done for him. Anyone ever see the, the red Sea to, um, part in front of your eyes? Anyone see uh, water come out of a rock just because you told it to? No, they saw all those things. But you see, what they didn't know, they, they, had, they saw in a distance the, the story of the cross. They didn't understand what the cross was. They knew a Messiah was coming but their understanding was limited. Guys, we've been given the whole book, cover to cover. We have the whole story, the past, the present, the future, everything we need to know. This side of heaven, we need to know to get to heaven. We know it all, and there's one, one route that leads there. People might say, oh, that's so close-minded, so absolute, I have SOS, right, stuck on stupid? I am thankful there's one way, door number one, it's the only door I need to choose to get to the Father, amen? Amen. Thank you for that one amen. Just kidding. So Peter wants them in this context and he wants us to be stirred up in our thinking. Not just thinking in general but towards Jesus. And his spoken word that he is the Christ. The Holy One of God. And I wonder this is just my own thought here if maybe Peter was being reminded of himself and his encounter with One of these points in time with Jesus when, if you remember in John uh, 6, I'm not going to do the whole part there, but um, verses 66 through 69, just after Jesus had told these guys, if you want any part of me, you have to eat my flesh and drink my blood, and they scattered except for the 12. And Jesus looked to them and he said this, as a result of this, many of his disciples withdrew and were not walking with him anymore. So Jesus said to the 12, you do not want to go away also, do you? And Simon Peter answered him, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. And we have believed and come to know, have come to know that you are the Holy One of God. The way I remember that, I think, is in King James or everybody He says, Lord, to whom shall we go? You alone have the words of eternal life. And then, then there's this way he writes this, we believe, and we're coming to know, we've come to know that you are the Christ. And I just wonder, as we discovered something in Breakthrough uh, two weeks ago, are you limiting what God wants to do in you because you don't believe he's the Christ in that situation? He's done all these things for you all over the place, yeah, you're the Christ, I believe you're the Christ, you've done it. But you've got some things that are still left and you're saying, Lord, when will you finish? I want to tell you today that he is the Christ. He is the Holy One of God. And he's the one who has you. He's the one who knows you. He's the one who's able to do far exceeding abundantly above all you can ask or think. He is the Christ. Move on here to verses three through seven. And this is uh, knowing God's word. Know this first of all, that in the last days, mockers will come with their mocking, following after their own lusts, and saying, where's the promise of his coming? For ever since the fathers fell asleep, all continues just as it was from the beginning of creation. For when they maintain this, it escapes their notice that, by the word of God, the heavens existed long ago, and the earth was formed out of water and by water through which the world at that time was destroyed, being flooded with water. But by his word, the present heavens and earth are being reserved for fire, kept for the day of judgment and destruction of ungodly men. What's he want us to know first of all? Well, that word know, you probably know this, but in case you don't, it, again, this, it's, a, it's not just an intellectual knowing. It's a relational knowing. It's a Greek word, and this one I can pronounce, Gnosko, <laughs> And it, it means to know or understand by experience in a personal way, a way that is intimate with God. Not just knowing facts about God, not knowing some Bible verses, not gone to seminary, knowing the Holy One, knowing the Christ that you know, that you know, that you know. He wants us to know this first of all. In the last days, where are we? They were saying they're in the last days then. We're a lot closer now than we've ever been. (laughs) Amen. Who's rooting for, let's be sooner than later, Lord? (laughs) Amen. So what's it say? It says that mockers, they're scoffers, false teachers. We discussed this when we did chapter 2 of Peter um, a while back. It's been a while. But these are those people who deny that Jesus is the Christ and his return. They sound religious. They sound wise. They have lots of big, long words. And please don't misunderstand me. Yes, God gave you brains, gave me a brain. Believe it or not, he gave me one too. We are supposed to use it, absolutely. We're not supposed to be SOS. I say that jokingly about me being stuck on stupid but I'm just proof that if God can rescue me, he can rescue anyone. Even if you're too smart for God, I'm glad I wasn't too smart for him. I'm glad, I'm glad that I was able to finally find him. He'd been looking for me my whole life. I just didn't want him to find me. But he made it impossible impossible for me not to be found by him. Because if you are running, and today I'm saying this to you, if you are running from God, beware. He loves you too much to let you go. And if you're not gonna bow... He's going to bring something to cause you to bow. Why? Because he loves you. Matt Bellingham did a great devotion for Connor. Connor and Taryn are becoming parents here soon, in case you guys didn't know that. Some of you ladies were at that baby shower yesterday probably, and some of us men were taking in this short 40-minute devotion from Matt yesterday. Great devotion. I mean, just a great man of God just beating us to death with the word of God in a good way and uh, really encouraging us to be men of God to be husbands and to be fathers and just taking us through the word to see these attributes of God and how he treats us and how he loves us and how we are to be that way to our wives and to our children and to each other. Just absolutely amazing. Now, don't forget, one of the things he talked about if you weren't there was God disciplines those he loves. So when I say to you, if you are his, he's coming for you. Why? Because he loves you. If you'll stop running, just let him catch you. I promise you, the moment you do this willingly is the moment your life will change forever. Not just your salvation. If you're a non-believer and you've been hearing God's voice, you've got family members or friends that have been telling you to bow your knee to the Lord, bow your knee to the Lord. Don't leave here today without bowing your knee to the Lord. Because he loves you. He created you. He has a life and a plan for you. It's not what you're doing now. Matthew 24, uh, 3 through 5, Jesus warned of these people in this section here. As he was sitting on the Mount of Olives, the disciples to him privately saying, Tell us, when will all these things happen? And what will be the sign of your coming and of the end of the age? And Jesus answered and said to them, See to it that no one misleads you for many will come in my name saying I am the Christ and will mislead many. Matthew 24:11 says many false prophets will arise and will mislead many. Matthew 24:23 through 26 says then if anyone says to you behold here is the Christ or there he is do not believe him. False Christs and false prophets will arise and will show great signs and wonders so as to mislead, if possible, even the elect. Behold, I have told you in advance. So, if they say to you, behold, he's in the wilderness, do not go out. Or behold, he's in the inner rooms, do not believe them. These sayings, these people, are alive and well today. They have a form of religion, but they deny the power of it. They don't know the one to whom we speak of today, Jesus Christ. They don't know. And so they purposely, we're, we're talking about being false, not just ignorant. Well, I guess it would be ignorant too because they are not knowing. <laughs> Misleading Many. It's, if you're old enough to know you you remember the stories on TV from years and years and years of places like Waco and just craziness where men claimed to be the Messiah and led many many people astray. There's religions today on the earth alive and well today that will say all the right christianese stuff. Jesus this, Jesus this and Jesus that, Holy Spirit this, Holy Spirit that, God the Father this, God the Father that. But they deny that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. You have to know that. There's only one Son, and His name is Jesus Christ. There is no other. I am the life, and no one comes to the Father but by me. These sayings, where's the promise of His coming? Nothing's changed since creation. All continues the same. This reminds me of Satan. Has God really said these people who question in this way then and, and now clearly do not know the word of God, nor do they know the God of the word. Peter gave them a nice little history lesson on creation as recorded in Genesis 1, 6 through 10. It says, Then God said, Let there be an expanse in the midst of the waters. Let it separate the waters from the waters. God made the expanse and separated the waters which were below the expanse from the waters which were above the expanse, and it was so. God called the expanse heaven, and there was evening, and there was morning, a second day. Then God said, let the waters below, the heavens be gathered into one place. Let the dry land appear, and it was so. God called the dry land earth, and the gathering of the waters he called seas, and God saw that it was good. So Peter gives them a little history lesson on creation. And then another one on the flood. In Genesis 7, 11, and 12, he says, it says, In the 600th year of Noah's life, in the second month, on the 17th day of the month, on the same day, all the fountains of the great deep burst open, and the floodgates of the sky were opened. The rain fell upon the earth for 40 days and 40 nights. Genesis seven twenty one through twenty four. All flesh that moved on the earth perished: birds and cattle and beasts and every swarming thing that swarms upon the earth, and all mankind. Of all that was on the dry land, all in those whose nostrils was the breath of, lo- of the spirit of life died. Thus, he blotted out every living thing that was upon the face of the land, from man to animals to creeping things and to birds of the sky, and they were blotted out from the earth. And only Noah was left together with those who that were with him in the ark and the water prevailed upon the earth 150 days then he talks about his word in colossians 1:13 through 20 it says this for he rescued us from the domain of darkness and transferred us to the kingdom of his beloved son in whom we have redemption the forgiveness of sins He's the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation, for by him all things were created both in the heavens and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities. All things have been created through him and for him. He's before all things, in him all things hold together. He's also head of the body, the church, and he is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, so that he himself will come to have first place in everything. For it was the Father's good pleasure for all the fullness to dwell in him, and through him to reconcile all things to himself, having made peace through the blood of his cross. Through him, I say, whether things on earth or things in heaven. A couple more here, Daniel 7, 9 through 10. I kept looking until thrones were set up. The Ancient of Days took his seat, His vesture was like white snow, the hair of his head like pure wool. His throne was ablaze with flames. Its wheels were a burning fire. A river of fire was flowing and coming out from before him. Thousands upon thousands were attending him. Myriads upon myriads were standing before him. The court sat and the books were opened. Jude 7. Just as Sodom and Gomorrah and the cities around them since they in the same way as these indulged in gross immorality and went after strange flesh are exhibited as an example in undergoing the punishment of eternal fire. The day of the Lord, it includes the tribulation, the millennium, the great white throne judgment, the destruction of the present heavens and earth. At the great white throne, after millennium, ungodly men, the wicked dead, will be judged and then thrown into the lake of fire. This, as Peter wrote, will be their day of judgment and destruction. After they are cast into fire, the heavens and the earth will be destroyed by fire. God intervened catastrophically before in the flood and he will do so again. When we know the word, we know the word. When they say, where is he? He's not coming. Everything is the same as it's always been. Blah, 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 blah. Especially if you're in in college somewhere. If you're around people that aren't in church, you're going to hear these kind of things all the time. And you probably look stupid to most people. But I'd rather be SOS. I won't say the other one, but you can think of that one. But wait, there's more. So right now, after I've read all that, you probably want to sit back and Cross your arms and roll your eyes. Is he going to read the whole Bible to us today? Maybe. You know, when you're studying God's, i to speak to you a direction of where to go. You know where to go, but you don't always know how to get there. And I'm just so glad that he's faithful. The songs we've sung today, it declares his faithfulness. He's with us as a shelter. He's with us in the fire. Who else would we want to be with than the Lord of hosts? Those guys now, so Caleb and Joshua, let's take the hill, you know. I'm in my 80s now. Let's take the hill. Not quite there, but unless the Lord tarries, I will be there. And I pray to God I can still stand upright because I want to take the hill. Amen. Let's not give up any ground to the enemy, you guys. Let's know his word. Let's know the word of God. Let's know the God of the word. Remember, it's not intellectually. Yes, he's given us brains. Yes, we're to use them. Yes, we're to be smart but it's only the wisdom we want comes from him. All the wisdom down here on the earth, the way of the world is foolishness. When you ask God for wisdom, he says he'll give it to you. But there's a catch. You gotta have faith that he's gonna do it, and you can't waver. You can't be riding the waves to and fro. Just like Peter, he said, Lord, if it's you, bid me to come. Jesus is standing out on the water, the storm is crashing, the waves are flowing. It's raining. It's windy. Peter jumps out of the boat, and he's walking right to him. As long as he locked eyes with Jesus, everything was good. The moment he looked around and circumstances, he sank. But even in his sinking, he said, Lord, help. And I can just picture that hand of Jesus just barreling through the, the water there to reach him and pull him up. And they're back in the boat. If you had your eyes on Jesus and you've taken him off and you feel like you're underwater, say, Lord, help. His hand will reach down and pull you up. And I promise you, he's strong enough to do it. Amen? He's always on time, verses eight and nine. But do not let this one fact escape your notice, beloved, dear loved ones, dear friends, that with the Lord one day is like a thousand years and a thousand years like one day the lord's not slow about his promise as some count slowness but is patient toward you not wishing for any any to perish but for all to come to repentance I don't know if you guys were here uh, back when we had Thursday nights, uh, Pastor Chris was teaching through Ezekiel. Was anybody here back then? A couple of us? Amen. Well, one of the things that he talked about was when Ezekiel was describing the things in the sky, things that he saw, the word like was used over and over and over. And I want to give you this very profound definition of what the word like means. Anyone know? Yeah, like, just like. (laughs) It's like, it's not literally the thing, it's like this. So when the the word says uh, to God a thousand years is a day and a day is a thousand years, it's like that. It's not literally that. When he says it's literal, in Revelation, when he says a thousand years, literal, that is a thousand literal years on earth. Make no mistake. But here he's saying it's like. So in other words, don't fret, don't worry. Little children, guess what? Your Redeemer lives. Guess what? He created time. He's not lazy. He's not blowing us off. He's not too busy to care, and he's not sleeping. He's not, he's not, he's not fill in the blank with whatever cool thoughts you might have. Fill in the blank. He's not those things. Walverd says this, and I like the way he says this. Peter was simply using a simile. Similar. What to people, including scoffers, may seem like a long time, is to the Lord very short. This is just mind-blowing. Listen, this present church age has lasted in God's eyes not quite two days. <laughs> to us, it's a couple thousand years. Well, not to us, but in, his, in time, a couple thousand years. But to him, it's like, oh, it's only been two days. Can you imagine that? We're down here concerned with all the stuff, And all he wants us to do is, like the songs we sang, to run to the Father. He just wants you to run to him. And if you haven't been running to him, start running to him. The beautiful thing about God is as long as you have breath, you're able to run to the Father. And I promise you, he's waiting with open arms. And when you come home, (laughs) he couldn't be gladder to see you. You might be glad to see him, but I promise you, he's gladder to see you why because he first loved you before you could ever know what love was he loved you he formed you in your mom's womb he knows you inside and out better than anyone run to him our god is merciful he's patient he's gracious he's waiting for you dear souls who have not yet repented of your sin and turned to him the living god to jesus christ god in the flesh who came, who died, who rose from the dead, who lives forever, amen. Hell was never created for man, you guys. It was created for the devil and his angels. But if today you hear my voice and you have not surrendered your life to him, then that's where you're headed. Eternal hell is the reality of that decision. If you've not been born again, the scripture tells us the wages of sin is death. But the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus, our Lord. Today, if you'll hear my voice, rejoice that he's been patient. Rejoice that he hasn't come. I, for one, am certainly glad he did not come before October 8th, 1998. Because I wasn't looking for him. But he sure was looking for me. It's his patience. It says that he's not, he doesn't desire anyone to be separated from him. He doesn't want anyone to go to hell. Don't take that lightly. I've shared my testimony countless times and countless places. And some of the strangest things I've heard people say is, (laughs) and this, I'm laughing, but it's, it's absolutely sad, so please forgive me. What you're telling me is, is I can go and live any way I want until I'm ready to come back, and then he'll take me back. Well, I guess that's partially true, But what if he comes back before you're ready to come back? Do you want to be left behind on this earth when the tribulation is going? Do you wanna be here without God's people? If salvation is free right now, do you think you're gonna be willing to risk your head for it later? If it's hard to get to church now or open your Bible or pray or sing or whatever right now, when it's all freely open. We live in the greatest place in the world, even in spite of the craziness of our current status of our country. We're all in church, and it's legal. We're here, together, declaring the glory of God, rejoicing in his faithfulness. He's given you all this time to turn from your sin that separates you from him in order for you to simply repent. The word repent's not some weird Christian word, it just means to change your mind. It means if you're walking that way, well, that's a perfect, I'm going to go this way since it says Jesus there. If you're walking this way, picture that being God, right, Jesus. If you're walking this way and you're going to repent, all that means is to turn around. You had your back toward him to begin with and now you've got your face toward him. And he stands there with arms wide open saying, I love you. Come to me. Don't waste another breath. I promise you, you'll never regret it. Here's what Romans says, if you're wondering how, how to do that. 10 through 13, or chapter 10, 9 through 13 says, if you confess with your mouth Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you'll be saved. With the mouth, or with the heart, a person believes, resulting in righteousness. And with the mouth, he confesses, resulting in salvation. The scripture says, Whoever believes in him will not be disappointed. There's no distinction between Jew and Greek, for the same Lord is Lord of all, abounding in riches for all who call on him. For whoever will call on the name of the Lord will be saved. Verse 17, so faith comes from hearing and hearing by the word of Christ. John 3, 16, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. The mind, the information comes in. The heart is the activation, the believing, and the mouth is salvation, resulting in eternal life with Jesus Christ. Transform life. With your mouth, you declare Jesus Christ is Lord. You're declaring the best that you know, you hear the gospel. Here's the gospel that God sent his son, John three sixteen. Whoever believes in him will not perish, but have everlasting life. And if you haven't believed in him, the following verses say you're condemned already because you have not believed. I know we're all sitting in church, man, but I, <laughs> there's always, always, always someone that doesn't know that to be true or someone who's been playing games, religious games, going through the motions, but never actually surrendered. And I know that I know that I know that to be true. I've sat in those services. (laughs) I've been that one. I've been in prison watching drug deals go down in chapel service, so I know. And one thing I always wanted to make sure I did when when I did the junior high ministry here years ago, never wanted to let one night go to make sure those kids knew that God loved them, that God had a plan for their life. And I'm so thankful that he did not already come because I would have missed him and I would have died in my sin and been separated from him forever. But he didn't come early then and he hasn't come late yet. But if you're a non-believer and if he was to come today when suddenly, boom! Trumpet sound. Yeah, I got you. Libby used to hear that a lot when she was little. Um, when the trumpet sounds, we'll be called up to the clouds with the Lord. Yeah. What? Hallelujah. Oh, hallelujah. Yeah, that's a hallelujah. Because you guys, if we belong to him, that day is going to come unannounced. And if you're not his, you will be left here to suffer. Doesn't mean you can't get saved then. Doesn't mean that at all. But think about it, what you'll have to go through to endure To get saved. Right now it's free. And he's calling your name right now. And you know it. Your heart is beating. It's in your mind. You know it. Calling him right now. Verse 10. The day will come. The day of the Lord will come like a thief in which the heavens will pass away with a roar. And the elements will be destroyed with intense heat. And the earth and its works will be burned up. Walverd says this. When the Lord does come. It'll be both surprising and catastrophic like a thief. This simile was used by Jesus in Matthew 24 and repeated by others. The day of the Lord describes end time events that begin after the rapture and culminate with the commencement of eternity. In the middle of the 70th week of Daniel, the Antichrist will turn against the people of God in full fury. In the catastrophic conflagration at the end of the millennium, the heavens The earth's atmosphere and the starry sky, not God's abode, will disappear with a roar, which in some way will involve fire. The elements, either stars or material elements with which the universe is made, will be destroyed by fire and will melt. And the earth and everything in it will be laid bare. That is the reality For those who do not believe, let that be a warning to you this morning, if that is you. Do not leave this place without Jesus today. Amen. Verses 11 through 15: A, prepare to meet him. Since all these things are to be destroyed in this way, what sort of people ought you to be, talking to believers, in holy conduct and godliness? looking for and hastening the coming of the day of God, because of which the heavens will be destroyed by burning. The elements will melt with intense heat. But according to his promise, we are looking for new heavens and a new earth in which righteousness dwells. Therefore, beloved, since you look for these things, be diligent to be found in him, by him, in peace, spotless and blameless and regard the patience of our Lord as salvation. What sort of people ought you to be in holy conduct and godliness, the question is. He's talking to us as Christians here and exhorting us to live out our days in light of this amazing truth. 100% for Jesus. Again, Walbert says this. To show that one's behavior is linked to his expectation of the Lord's coming, this paragraph begins with, so then. What kind of people should believers be? They are to be holy and godly. They also are to make every effort to be spotless, without defect, referring to Christ, blameless, without moral defect, like a sacrificial animal without a blemish, at peace with him. The false teachers, Peter said, are blots and blemishes, but believers are to make it their business to be morally clean, like Christ, the spotless one. This is the practical result of the implantation of the divine nature. In the members of God's family, it is the ringing encore to the symphony of grace described in chapter 1 5 through 7. The Lord's patience. In verse 15, is his desire that people come to salvation. The seeming procrastination of the second coming, far being from negative inaction on God the Father's part, is rather a demonstration of his macrorhythmian long-suffering. The world has time to repent right now. But this will not be so when the day of judgment comes. The Lord's patience leads toward repentance, which is precisely the point that Paul made in Romans chapter 2, verse 4. I'm going to read from Romans 13, 11 through 14. Please listen. Do this, knowing the time, that it's already the hour for you to awaken from sleep. For now, salvation is nearer to us than when we believed. The night is almost gone, and is near. Therefore, let us lay aside the deeds of darkness and put on the armor of light. Let us behave properly as in the day, not in carousing and jealousy, but put on the Lord Jesus Christ and make no provision for the flesh in regard to its lusts. Colossians 1, 9 through 12, for this reason also, since the day we heard of it, we have not ceased to pray for you, Is this telling us to be good people and do good things in our own strength? No. Is it telling us to be religious? No. It's telling us to live like the Redeemer lives inside of us. He said, I came to give you life, and that abundant. He says, well, let me back up here. At our men's conference a few weeks back, we had the pleasure of hearing about Enoch. Who's heard of Enoch? Enoch. A lot of us. Well, Enoch was a man who pleased God with his life. And it says he lived 365 years pleasing God. So much so, I won't scare you this time, but boom. (laughs) He was called up. His body didn't die. He was translated. He was taken up to be with the Father. Because he pleased God. Hebrews tells us without faith, I think it's 1.6, it's impossible to please God. It says he who comes to God must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. Do you want to be a man or a woman that pleases God? got to believe first and then believe that he is. What? He's a rewarder. Believe it or not, He is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. I encourage you to diligently, purposefully, on purpose, (laughs) every moment you can, the time is now. Romans just told us what it tells us in a nutshell. Yesterday, it's gone. Tomorrow, it's not promised. Today is the day of salvation. Whether that's for your eternal salvation or your present salvation from whatever that thing or those things are in your life that you have not allowed him to give you salvation in. Those things that you have not allowed him to be the Christ, the Messiah, the risen Savior. Those areas in your life where you're like, no, those are mine, I'm just gonna hold on to those. That's just how I am, I'll never change. I'll tell you guys, I prayed, my wife and I prayed, a lot of you prayed for something so simple as a child, when you look around and see everyone has babies, everyone has families, except for April and I, we didn't have a family, we just had each other, which was our family, and we were good. But God had given us a promise so many years before that we'd have a a child, and nothing. And every time our faith would start to uh, waver, God would give us another word. And we'd keep holding on and keep praying and keep believing and I'd love to tell you that we just trusted it and we were all in the whole time. But no, we were almost as old as Sarah and Abraham, it seemed like. <laughs> but again, like we read, a thousand years is like a day and a day is like a thousand years. We were told all kinds of different words and one of those words was at the appointed time. Another one of those words was not no, just not now. I even still have emails, like Michael sent, me, sent us an email think in 2013 reminding us of God's promise Pastor Jason gave us a word Pastor Chris gave us a word Pastor Daniel which you don't know in Texas in our prison ministry gave us a word he spoke over us and said that he could hear our children laughing and they weren't our youth group children they were our children all that to say is we lived and died every month if you understand that you understand that for all those years poor us But you know what? God always had a plan. He always had a plan. And he was always going to do it. Waiting for the appointed time. And you know what? There's other prayers I've prayed for, well, since I've been married 22 years. I won't go into detail on that and waste your time. But just in this last month, God has started answering those prayers for me. It involves me being a husband to my wife. Not a fake husband. Not a husband at church but not at home, but a husband. And I'm 51 and I'm still learning how to be a husband. I've been, I'll be married 22 years this year. And I can tell you that God answers prayer because you know what, living a holy life like what we're talking about here, it's impossible unless you have the Holy Spirit living inside you. I never even had a desire to live a holy life. I was the most unholy you could possibly be. And I'm glad that April didn't, or God didn't give me April during that life. I'm glad he waited till I was on parole and made $5 an hour so she could just see this big stud coming and say, that's the one. <laughs> my grandparents had to drive me to work. My grandmother made my lunch for me at 28 years old. That's how I met April, with nothing. God is the impossible God. There's nothing impossible with him. We have a daughter who will be four in June. Because he's a miracle-working God. I haven't done drugs in, since 1998, October 8th. But only I, I love drugs. I mean, they were my life. Drugs, sex, rock and roll. That was the thing. Whatever evil I could conjure up, that's what I wanted to be a part of. But God. And that looks different for everybody. But whatever God is revealing to you right now, let him have it. Don't keep it from him. If it's keep praying, keep going, keep praying, keep going. If it's wait, if it's stop what you're doing right now and throw your arms up and say, Lord, I'm wrong and you're right, I'm sorry, please forgive me. Do it. Don't wait. All right, let's finish up here. Don't be fooled. Armor up. Just as also our beloved brother Paul, according to the wisdom given him, wrote to you, as also in all his letters, speaking in them of things in which are some things hard to understand, which the untaught and unstable distort, as they do also the rest of the Scriptures, to their own destruction. You, therefore, beloved, knowing this beforehand, be on your guard so that you're not carried away by the error of unprincipled men and fall from your own steadfastness. But grow in the grace and knowledge Of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. To him be the glory, both now and to the day of eternity. Amen, it says. First of all, clearly there are certain passages of Scripture that are difficult to understand. I'm so glad it's written there so I don't feel so SOS sometimes. It's written. Some tough stuff. (laughs) However, one who is not born again and filled with the Holy Spirit can't even begin. To understand God's holy word, unless he opens their minds. John 14, 26 says, But the Helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all that I said to you. John 16, 13 through 15, When he, the Spirit of truth, comes, he will guide you into all the truth. For he will not speak on his own initiative, but whatever he hears, he will speak. And he will disclose to you what is to come. He will glorify me, for he will take of mine and disclose it to you. All things the Father has are mine. Therefore I said that he takes of mine and will disclose it to you. That fly made me lose my spot. There we go. Uh, Luke 24, 42-49 says, Now he said to them, These are my words which I spoke to you while I was still with you, that... All things which are written about me in the law of Moses and the prophets and the Psalms must be fulfilled. Then he opened their minds to understand the scriptures. He said to them, Thus it is written that the Christ would suffer and rise again from the dead the third day. And that repentance for forgiveness of sins would be proclaimed in his name to all the nations beginning from Jerusalem. And you are witnesses of these things. Behold, I'm sending forth the promise of my Father upon you, but you are to stay in the city until you are clothed with power from on high. Revelation twenty two eighteen through 21. I testify to everyone who hears the words of the prophecy of this book. If anyone adds to them, God will add to him the plagues which are written in this book. If anyone takes away from the words of the book of this prophecy, God will take away his part from the tree of life and from the holy city which are written in this book. He who testifies to these things says, Yes, I am coming quickly. Amen. Come, Lord Jesus. The grace of the Lord Jesus be with all. Amen. All right, we're almost there. I know I keep saying that. We are almost there. Be on guard. Taking up By faith, the tools and armor God has given us so we are not carried away or fooled by doctrines of demons. The armor of God protects the most sensitive parts of our bodies. These are the areas where God desires holiness. But Satan perverts and seeks to steal, to kill, and to destroy. They must be protected at all times, which means you can never take the armor off. Helmet of salvation, what's it do? Protects your mind and your ears. The breastplate of righteousness protects your heart. The belt of truth protects your most sensitive parts. Shield of faith extinguishes all the flaming arrows of the enemy. The sandals of the preparation of the gospel of peace allows Jesus to lead you everywhere. It says grow in grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. The word grow means to grow to the extreme limit Grace, the, the Sunday school acronym, I love it. God's riches at Christ's expense. Grow in knowledge, relation, intelligent comprehension of an object or matter, whether this comes for the first time or comes afresh, into the consideration of the one who grasps it. To come to know, to experience, to perceive again, or whether it's already present, to perceive Grow in grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. All glory to God, period. You know, the enemy wants to take your mind, right? These are all the entry points the armor protects. I know you know this, but I'm reminding you again and again and again because Peter said he wanted to stir us up to remind us. Enemy wants to steal your mind. He wants you to believe lies. He wants, especially... Especially in the church. I promise you, in the church is the worst place the enemy wants you to believe lies. He wants to divide and conquer us. Why? If he can get us to doubt like Eve, has God really said, you know, so-and-so, I think they don't like you. I think so-and-so, there's a clique over here. There's this over there. Oh, look at their family. They have it all together. Those things, we're all God's people, you guys. God died for all of us. Those who belong to his son those are those who belong to him. We are his church, and we are a family. And you know what? Family rubs you the wrong way sometimes. <laughs> I've heard it said sometimes your family or those closest to you are like sandpaper. Sandpaper people just. <laughs> but guess what? We can, keep being, we can keep the friction going. After time, if you've ever used sandpaper for a while, it eventually loses the sand, right? And it's just a piece of paper. So don't Stop. Keep, keep striving for peace with each other. Keep loving each other. Jesus said the world would know us by the way we love each other. The world would know we belong to him. Worship team can come up. The breastplate protects your heart, right? Think about your life, your body, without your brain or your heart. It's kind of not gonna work, right? Gotta have those things. The world will tell you, oh, just follow your heart. Do, do what your heart says, Jeremiah tells us the heart is deceitful and desperately wicked, who can know it? The belt of truth. I say it protects your most sensitive parts. Think about something that God designed for holiness in marriage. Satan wants to pervert that. He wants you to take the quick way. He wants you to do what you wanna do when you wanna do it. The shield of faith extinguishes some darts, no it extinguishes all the fiery arrows of the enemy. All of them. There's a lot more scriptures that talk about that. He's a shield to us. The sandals of the preparation of the gospel of peace, if you think about that for a minute, when you're walking with Jesus, it's the greatest thing ever. To walk in faith with your mind, your heart, your loins protected in him. It says there's also a sword, which is the word of God. You can use that sword to kill or to cut. How you use that sword is going to be different in each moment. Sometimes it's to kill the enemy. (laughs) But more often, it's to build up each other. The word of God, there's nothing like it. It's sharper than any two-edged sword. It's active, it's able to separate joints and marrow revealing the inner depths of your heart. So I'll send you home with this. We are his witnesses, so remain on guard. And do not fear. King Jesus is coming. Our redemption is near. Jude 24 through 25 says this, now to him who's able to keep you from stumbling, to make you stand in the presence of his glory, blameless with great joy. To the only God, our Savior, through Jesus Christ, our Lord, be glory, majesty, dominion, and authority before all time, and now, and forever. Amen. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for your church. And God, I, I, I just want to, Take a step of faith here, and I'm asking everyone to respect this, please. Every head bowed and every eye closed. If you need Jesus Christ to redeem you from the pit of hell today, if you need your sins forgiven, I'm going to ask you to be bold and raise your hand high enough to where I can see it. Is there anyone here today? God bless you. I see you over there. Anybody else? Amen. Amen. All right. We're going to do something together. The whole, everyone's going to say this prayer with me, and you're going to say it. Those of us who already are saved are going to say it with you. And what's going to happen right now is if we, we're going to practice what God's word says, we're going to pray a simple prayer. And the Bible told us and it tells us that if we believe in our heart, if we, if we believe, of course, of course that would happen right now. There we go. Thank you, Jesus. Um. It says, if we, if we believe in our heart that God raised him from the dead, we confess with our mouth that Jesus Christ is Lord, then we will be saved. And so what you're saying is, I believe I need to be saved. I want a relationship with Jesus, and I want it to happen right now, and I'm tired of running, and I'm giving you my life, Lord. That's what we're saying. Simple prayer. Here we go. So if this is you, whether you raised your hand or not, pray with me. Lord Jesus, I love you. And I recognize I need you now. Please forgive me of my sin. Please come into my heart and live inside me. I give you my life. I am yours and you are mine. Fill me with your spirit and allow me to live my life for you. I believe that you are the Christ. Christ the Holy One of God and you are the only way to the Father. I believe it and I'm born again right here right now. In Jesus name, amen.